Hey, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we typically recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Tara Scott, and I review sapphic fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And I'm Chris Bryant, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books. So, like with some of our other bonus episodes, Chris and I are not recommending anything today because we are joined by a special guest. I'm especially excited because he's the author and illustrator of one of my personal favorite graphic novels, Blackword, which is out everywhere as of September 26th. Lawrence Lindell is an artist and educator from California who works in many artistic disciplines, including comics, music, illustration, and mixed media. His self-published graphic memoir, From Truth to Truth, was nominated for the Believer Book Awards and the Dwayne McDuffie Award for Diversity in Comics in 2020. I read it. It's great. He's also a contributor to The New Yorker, The San Francisco Examiner, Razor Cake, among other publications, and he runs the small press, Laneha House, with his spouse. Welcome, Lawrence. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thanks. So uh, for people who may not be familiar, can you share what Blackword is about? Yeah, it's like um, four Black queer friends that are trying to create a space for Black people to feel comfortable. So like maybe if you're a little weird and you go into a more traditional Black space, you might not feel as comfortable because you're queer and they might not be as queer friendly as you would hope. And they're hoping to create a space that's like just for them so they could chill and hang out and talk. Right. And what made Blackboard a story that you knew how to tell? It's funny because it's like, yeah, I was reading it <laughs> and that sound like cocky or anything. And I was like, this is kind of good. Like, <laughs> And I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's my life. Like, it's our life, the people I'm around. So I think that kind of thing comes easy when it's just like, this is real life. I don't have to go research anything. I don't have to look anything up. It's like I'm living this and then my friends, my spouse... We, like this is the life we live, so it's easy to put on the page. Nice. Yeah, write what you know. That's what they always say. So I want to talk about Mr. Marcus a little bit. I talked about this in the episode where I recommended Blackword. He's my favorite character for sure. You know, he's an elder in the community. And his conversation with Lika, I felt like was just really, they have this really special conversation that felt like a cornerstone of the story. So I was wondering if you could just talk about what inspired you when you were writing him. Yeah. Um, so the Blackbird is actually based on a webcomic I made called The Section, which is the section is referenced in the book. But John and Carter was like, hey, we need a new title for the book. So that's why it's called Blackbird. But Mr. Marcus was always originally in it. And he's based off of some of my like mentors and elders. And then also there's a Black-owned bookstore in Oakland, California called uh, Marcus Books. And so it's like a reference to all those kind of things meshed into one. I love that so much. That makes my heart happy. Yeah, that was the, I like the way he talks to her about how like you can't go it alone, like you need to do it together was something that I just found so moving that I kept coming back to it. And I just keep thinking about it in the time since. So. I, I love that that's his origin story. Kind of on the flip side to Mr. Marcus, though, something that stood out to me, especially as a white person who tries to be a good ally, but I also don't think, you know, like white people, we can't, we you can't claim allyship. You just need to like do your best. And if you've done it, you've done it. But there's this, you know, this guy there who's 
he's pretty terrible and he allies himself to um an older black man who's like really homophobic and i thought you know between the two there were some really important messages that came out and you know my eight-year-old is she's very very precocious and reads like well above her grade level but she loved this book and it really let us have some good conversations about allyship and homophobia and stuff like that what inspired you to include them and what are you hoping people will take away from these characters yeah i wanted i don't know i think about that a lot it was like i was worried originally about having one of the characters be black because i didn't want to give the opportunity for non-black people to demonize a black person even though he's clearly horrible (laughs) (laughs) right so like that's why i kept him and i wanted to have a conversation and then i was like whoa let's just keep going with it and let's put the quote-unquote ally that's an ally until you're too black around them or you're too threatening or like i was just parodying like again it's real life like i'm just taking Mm -hmm. characters that like oh you're in this space but you're just kind of pretending like you're saying like black lives matter but then really if it came down to it you're kind of like that's it just the shirt and then like i noticed folks like that like to use affirmations or mirror what you're saying to make it seem like hey i'm listening to you and then that's Mm -hmm. it and no no action behind it but I did it in a funny way, I hope, where it's not like, I don't want it yes. to be like, yeah. <laughs> like too over the top. But I was like, well, maybe I can make fun of it. And that's how those characters. I think you, I think you totally succeeded on that because I found him as hilarious as he was reprehensible. And I also thought it was so interesting that he's decided he's going to ally himself to this one particularly homophobic person. Meanwhile, there's these four other black people like right there that he's choosing not to ally with and so i thought there was something interesting in the idea of like you're kind of when you're when you're putting your hand up and saying i'm the best ally like you're making choices about who you're even allying with in a community and even maybe it's funny how the characters like come alive on their own things i wasn't thinking about but i think about him maybe allying with whoever was the most masculine Mm. in terms of like oh well he, he he's the guy in the room so let me you know like he knows what he's talking about that type of thing mm. and i feel like a lot of people attach themselves to whoever is the loudest and more force, forceful in the room even if they don't know what they're talking about right yeah so a follower I wasn't, for sure yeah i wasn't trying to explore that but now i'm thinking about like oh yeah that makes sense mm-hmm. like in real life people do that like we always look to men for like oh yeah they know what they're talking about because this is kind of how we're raised to think and then yeah. i'm in these spaces where that's not the case and so try to challenge that through comedy i guess oh that's interesting yeah i hadn't thought of it as i was reading it but as you're saying it i absolutely see it too because <laughs> there is something about if somebody is the loudest and the most confident i mean we see that in a lot of political debating where they might be wrong all the facts are against them but they're so fast and their delivery is such that it brings people along with them in a way that's kind of alarming and so we see like this one guy following him but he's probably not the only one out there doing it he's just the one in the story well it's also a a bully you know that's kind of what bullies do Mm -hmm. yeah okay so friendship uh is also important it's an important beautiful part of the story that tara and i have talked about but how much did you draw on your own experience of friendship uh when you were writing this 
Yeah, it was a safe um, space for you uh, and your friends. So how did this all kind of come about? Yeah, so the like Amora is based off of my spouse and a good friend, mm-hmm. like to a T. <laughs> like it's those two people combined. Yeah, very closely. Um, Alika originally was just me. I'm not always comfortable, but I, there's like some gender stuff that I I kind of struggle with, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so she was my way of being like, well, maybe I could look like this, or maybe I could be like that without having to do the scary thing of committing to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So originally, if you look at like, there's a character design of her, and she just looks like me. But you know, it's like, all right, she needs to become her own character. I can't just. <laughs> You know, but that's how Lika came about. And then I was like, well, if she's going to be her own character, I got to start drawing upon like my sister's experience and other black women. And yeah, that's how she came about. And then Lala, which is my favorite, um, <laughs> she's based on another real life uh, person, a friend of mine who's like a goth kid and just very outspoken and, you know, doesn't take any shit. And I was just like, that has to be. Yeah, that's Lala. And then Tony's a bit of me as well, too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I love how spicy Lala is. Lala. Oh, <laughs> I laughed, yeah. <laughs> she, like, she made me laugh, but she also made me cheer. I don't want to spoil anything, but I will say when she punches someone right in the face, I think I actually shouted because I was so happy. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I was surprised, but yeah, but it was good. Yeah, usually, you know, I thought about that too. It was like, do I shy away? I was like, no, we, no. we want those moments. Like, we never get those moments. So right. Why do we Every- always have to be the ones to not get those moments? So It's a fear. You know, we're always afraid of the consequences of everything. So I was surprised, but also laughed. I mean, because yay. A really big aspect of like, you don't get this, you don't get this story without intersectionality. And there's so much to each character's identity, you know, in addition to being they're black, they're awkward. They're all also dealing with mental health issues in their own way. They're coming from homes with different languages and other experiences. And I loved how we even saw the different languages showing up. Like, yeah, every so often Amor says words that are Spanish, but we see like the chapter markers. Each has like four different languages showing them. But back to like specifically mental health, why was it important for this to be part of their identity and what were the other things that you were considering as you were making decisions about who each of these characters are? Like, fortunately, unfortunately, I've always been known as like a zinser and comics artist that works with mental health stuff because of my own mental health. And so I've kind of already been labeled as like, oh, yeah, you're the one that does the mental health comics. So I, mm-hmm. I was like, do I put that in the comic? And I was like, yeah, how do I not put it in the comic? Right. I don't know yeah. one queer person that doesn't have some type of mental health issue whether it be by the environment that we come from or if it's just neurological you know like there's mm-hmm. that's a real part of our lives <laughs> and yes. to like deny it or not put it in and because of my own ego is wrong yeah and so I was like these characters live in this space so it's important to at least mention it. it's not like in your face or like I'm beating you over the head with it but I was just like I can't just not mention it like anxiety is a big thing and if she really has anxiety it's going to show up in the comic or it's not an authentic mm-hmm. to her character so yeah i was just trying to be as real as possible especially because it's very cartoony and i wanted to like have something to ground it in reality i guess yeah 
I was saying to Chris, we were chatting kind of just before you popped on the Zoom. I think for me, it was so brilliant that scene towards the end where we find out that, you know, they're all dealing with it in their own ways. But you laid the groundwork like right from the very beginning, almost the very first page. Like we see that it's a thing with Lika and I, and it wasn't until then that I realized, oh, you'd kind of like left like a little breadcrumb trail so that when we see that there, I don't know, there was just something that about it that I felt was really impactful and so great. I think because at the end of the day, this is also a book about joy and community and like seeing that, that joy and community together where I think, I think you're absolutely right about like queer people. Like, yeah, a lot of us are struggling with mental health things, but we can find our joy and we can find our community and it doesn't have to be a thing that's always stigmatized. Like it is so stigmatized, but like we can still thrive and find joy anyway. Yeah. And, and like real life reflects that. I don't know anyone stronger than most of my queer friends. Like, yeah. And, you know, like really like to wake up and have to deal with half the stuff people deal with and to still be able to be like, Oh, you know, joke around and hang out. It, yeah, I don't know. It is important to show joy. I was always, I was telling my editor, I was like, did I make it too joyful? <laughs> and Tracy was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you made a book about Black joy and that's what you wanted and this is exactly what it is. So you should be proud of that. But I was like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes people don't like stories that are too happy. Mm. And I was worried that it would feel unauthentic and i was like no like this i think i showed enough of like you know the sadness but i was like they're still very happy people because they have each other and that's like what community does is brings I a think, lot of joy yeah. i'm not into graphic novels only because i i am so busy writing that it's hard for me to find downtime tara loves them and one of the very first things mm -hmm. she said to me was just like the color and just everything about like just the graphics in this and that and my girlfriend is an artist so i'm very aware of the use of colors and the emotions that certain colors bring and i think the very beginning of like i think it's even the first page whether you know waking up for the day and you have just enough of a little bit of color that kind of represents each of the characters mm -hmm. and and i didn't really pick up on that until i went through it a second time and then i was like of course and yeah, so you could tell like just the coloring that you used, you know, from the scenes, whether it was like a serious scene or an anger scene, just and it because it, I'm not familiar with graphic novels. I just thought it was it was done. It, it, it hit me. It got me just the by the use of colors. Too. Yeah, for sure. Because I think that that was also I actually found myself reading it the first time extremely slowly because I was so taken with the art style itself and how it would shift and change depending on the emotions. I just mm -hmm. thought it was mm -hmm. so brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, everything y'all are saying is what we hope as cartoonists. Perfect. It's like, oh, you said what? About the color? You really saw that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I, and like I said, this isn't my thing. This isn't my niche. You know, it's not, but I can appreciate it just because, like I said, my girlfriend she draws paint she does everything and i'm always in awe of what she can do because it's not something i can do you know i'm good with words and that's it but like you have everything here you mm -hmm. have like the perfect 
like recipe is going on. You have the colors, you have the use of, of, of the colors and the words you use and just the vernacular and, and bringing attention to queer black, you know, black characters and, and people and the struggles, also the joy, like Tara said. So it did, it worked, it hit. I understood everything. I thought it was, I thought it was a brilliant book. I, I was really sad when it was over. I mean, I was so happy that they got their happy ending, but I was also like, oh, I could read another like 500 pages of these people easily. <laughs> no pressure. Also, it I, wasn't, I wanted to change the ending to something a little more dramatic. And they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, keep that original joyful ending. People okay. want the payoff. Yeah. Well, so I'm I glad think... to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it was a really, I felt like it was such a beautiful, wonderful ending. And I kind of see what you mean about the like, is it too joyful? Is it joyful enough? I think why it worked for me personally is we absolutely see adversity that they experience as a group and individually. And there's so much and they just want that community so badly that seeing it happen in a way that's perfect for them I I I think I think the balance was there so it kept it from like it kept it in the realm of joyful and didn't tip it into like sugary sweet or anything mm -hmm. like that. And I think we need that in this political climate too. I mean Hell we yeah. certainly need need this the joyful ending and and yeah I I I just I loved it. I smiled afterwards and and then I I put it down for a little bit and then went back to it to go yeah. now that I, you know cuz I do that a lot just to kind of like I'll watch things once and then I'll just for the effect and then I'll go back through and look for the specifics of things that I've noticed briefly the first time around. So, so yeah, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Same. I immediately reread it, which like I do reread books, but I don't usually like get to the end and then go right back to the beginning, but I had to with this one. It was just so compelling. Thank um, you. I'm like smiling, but you, you can't see me. So. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> That's okay. All right. So you brought up about how you've been part of the zine scene for a long time. I was wondering if you could talk about that, because I think there are a lot of people that aren't even aware of them, what they are. Uh, so I was wondering if you could just explain a little bit about what zines are. Why are they such a powerful medium? for storytelling and just anything else you might add that you haven't already said about how you were drawing from your own experience as you were writing about it here. Yeah. Zines are, um, I love zines cause they're, they're, when I think about like freedom, that that's what I think about for like zines and zine fest. Cause there's no rules. Anything can be a zine. Uh, mm -hmm. I like the origins that is usually used for information spreading like tactics of how to keep people safe and how to protest and like I really I really like that it, you can print it on whatever you want I don't know because it's weird coming like a lot of cartoons and, and um like comic artists they do start off in like mini comics and things like that but it's often talked about like you graduate from mini comics to graphic novels kind of mm -hmm. and I'm still very much of the like mindset of like no I'll keep printing at home forever <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> keep making zines and DIY stuff forever while working with publishers. But because there's nothing better than doing something yourself at home that you didn't think anyone would care about, and then taking it to a zine fest and people being like, "Wow, I really need to read that." And it was just, I don't know, it's different. It feels different than working on, quote unquote, an official project like Blackbird, which is still very much 
the same way I make a zine was the same way I did this because of John Corley so heavily involved in comics and they really care about comics and they really care mm-hmm. about independence and things like that. Um, yeah, even my editor was like, "Why is Zine Fest? Like, you gotta, you gotta tell people like, why, why is Zine Fest? It could be anything." I was like, "No, it can't be anything. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be zines because zines are like." It's a space where you get the most freedom. Though I will say, like you know, there aren't a lot of black zinesers that get into Zine Fest. There's more over the like years, but it's not a very, depending on where you are, it's not a very friendly space to a lot of black people, mm-hmm. even queer folks. Which is weird because like you know, there's a lot of history of punk from zines, mm-hmm. and like punk is very queer. I don't care what anyone says. So hell like, yeah. <laughs> It's just like I feel like a lot of history is erased, um, or people don't know, and so maybe that's why it was important for me to put in the book. But I couldn't find a real like reason other than like it has to be like that's what I was saying in the beginning. Like I couldn't explain. I was like it has to be zines, and they're like, but why? I was like, I don't know. It just has to be zines, and yeah. Hmm. So in a way, were you kind of writing your ideal zine fest, like the zine fest that you want to show up to? Yeah, so in mm-hmm. in the original webcomic, that that's that was the uh, there was no planning. I drew a page a day and I just put up whatever I wanted that was in my mind. And then I was like, oh yeah, black zine fest, black word, black and awkward, cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it would become a book. I, <laughs> you know, like um, I was just like, it would be cool to see. I mean, we have a bunch of black comic fest, but that's not the same as a zine fest. Like, it's comic fest are very different than zine fest to me and to most people that know like zines and comics is a, it's a little different mm-hmm. so. it's interesting there as you're saying all of that i have a thought that it's sort of coalescing i don't think it's fully there <laughs> but about how may, maybe if i start talking it'll get there but i actually don't think you get to the same story without it being a zine fest either like it could have been just like sure i guess it could have been some kind of uh like a salon or like a cafe situation where people are just showing up or like a board game weekly situation but i think there was something really special around it also being creators like like it's people making art but also in a way that like they're creating space too they're creating belonging and so having it all at once in this way that you're saying like it is very like what they're doing is punk as fuck mm-hmm. claiming this space so i don't know sorry i may have just rambled <laughs> no, <laughs> well, i remember that, you... yeah go ahead i'm but, sorry no no no. i wasn't saying anything important <laughs> uh, <laughs> well i was just gonna say that we talked about uh zines in the past with punk like we have we have discussed this before and and mm-hmm. i was like what is that you know six months ago i had no idea until we talked about it on the podcast and so then to see it and Tara get excited and then I finally, you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, here we, ha- here we have it again. I, I just, that is not something that I was aware of until we talked about it during the, uh, was it we when we watched, was it when we watched Queer Core? I think it might have been Lawrence. I don't know if you know about it, but there is a documentary called Queer Core and I found it mm-hmm. on YouTube and it's just, it's about like queer punk, the queer punk scene. And it was really cool. Actually, I think it was because of a zine and it started with the zine where they were like, we're going to make this a thing like it doesn't exist. But if we start with a zine and we say it's an actual scene, then maybe it'll turn into one. And it did. It was wild and kind of great. Yeah. 
I watched it a few times at a, a few queer festivals. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> this is how we can tell that you are in a better location than me in Canada. And me <laughs> in the Midwest. So, yes. Yeah. Bay Area. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get access to better festivals right. than we do. <laughs> For sure. I was just wondering, I think we've sort of touched on some aspects of this, but I just wanted to ask, I guess if there was anything we haven't addressed, why was it so important for you to write about community organizing? And then I think what we haven't talked as much about is just, do you have advice for other people who want to do something similar in like organizing with other people who are like them or making space for other people like them or that believe similar things and they just don't know what to do and how to find or build that community? Yeah, uh, it was important because, like I was saying, it, this is what I see every, especially being in the Bay Area, particularly Oakland and mm-hmm. San Francisco, history of organizing, not just mm-hmm. around queerness, blackness, everything, anything you can think of that there's some type of organizing to be done, Bay Area, it's there. And so being around a bunch of folks who, um, Community organizing is not just a word or like something to say. It's like a real thing you see. When you see it firsthand, you're like, oh, it can be done. Or I I can do this. Or people are doing this and I can join in with what they're doing. And so I think it's weird because I didn't think about it as like, this has to be in the book. It was just more of like, oh, of course it's going to be in the book. This is what my people do around yeah. me. <laughs> so, yeah. And then the response has been like, I was saying, like, why is this so important? I'm like, oh, I guess it is important to put in. Or, like, it is something that you might not often see in a graphic novel or a comic. I don't don't know. I never thought about it like that. But I I think that's true. Like, it's not as common as I would hope. Or maybe maybe the people who would tell these stories aren't getting the opportunities. Hmm. So do you have an advice for people who are feeling kind of you know, maybe they are feeling a little isolated and they do want to find or or build that community. Do you have any tips for people? Yeah, uh, we we live in an age where it's like things are terrible, but we are lucky that we have more access to each other, especially like via the internet or um, community centers are still big. Libraries, libraries have so many activities and groups to meet up at. Uh, just shout out to the local libraries. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, if you think you're alone, you're probably not. I guarantee you there's someone that has had the same exact thought like, hey, where's the space for me? And I can almost guarantee that someone's either working on a space like that or you just don't know that one already exists. And um, put some fillers out. You know, I know it's like kind of nerve wracking if you're a shy person. Like I'm an introvert, so I don't like doing anything. <laughs> um, <Right>. Same. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people and a lot of community that's kind of waiting for you, if you will. Like, that's why that's why people build these spaces. Um, like, I'm not making anything new. I just kind of inherited what those who came before me did, especially being Black and queer. Like, there's so much work that went into paving a way for me to even make a story like Black work mm-hmm. that I get to kind of pay it forward, if you will. So like uh, mentioning what I was taught and then maybe teaching something new. So I would just say like, reach out. You don't have to be afraid. I know it's like, you know, it's kind of like nerve wracking to reach out to folks, but a lot of people are receptive and want to help. So including me, just, I'm telling you, I'm an introvert. I'm not exciting. So when you meet me, it's not what you think. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be this grand. It's not. 
you're gonna be like really that was that was Lawrence <laughs> Okay, Lawrence, do you have any books or other pieces of queer media that you'd like to queerly recommend to our listeners? Uh, yeah, uh, Bingo Love. Um, I was actually reading Bingo Love. That's what inspired me to make my own queer story. I was reading Bingo Love in San Francisco while my spouse was putting up art for a group show. And I was like, oh, I got to make my own Black queer story. And that's when I, the day I read Bingo Love is the day I made the section, so. I would definitely oh, read Bingo cool. Love. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. I've been meaning to read that one. For, I like, I had it on my, I'm definitely going to read it. And then I forgot all about it. And you're bringing it back to friends of mine. So I'm a hundred percent going to read it. I'm so excited. And then I'm on a panel tomorrow here. I'm mm. at SBX. Um, but there's this book called Mimosas that you should check out. Um, it's by Archie. Uh, let me see. But I think it's out now. Mm. Um, and it's it's um I'm interested in it because it's about uh queer folks that are in their 30s and that mm. are kind of messy <laughs> and yeah. not like yeah so <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty interested in it. I'm hoping to pick up a copy here while I'm at SBX. Check out Rupert Kennard, which is one of my hugest inspirations. Uh, black queer man that was was making comics like forever from way back. Um, he does the Brown Bomber. Um, and if you could find any of his comics, I think you'll, you'll really enjoy it. Um, and you'll kind of see like, oh, wow, I could see the influence from those who mm-hmm. came before. Like, it, it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. He, he has such a special, like, place in my heart as someone who's doing comics way before I was doing comics, talking about stuff that I'm talking about now. And then meeting him in person and him being like, oh, your work's great. It's like, no. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, my goodness. Great. Yeah, so, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, I think that's all for this episode. Thank you so much, Lawrence, for joining this. This was Thank such you. a joy. How can people find you online if they would like to connect with you? LawrenceLindell.com pretty much has it. I try to put everything there because I'm also a person that doesn't like to have to go to a lot of different places to find stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I try yeah. to put everything on my website. Um, It has links to anything you would want to order from me that's orderable. Same with Instagram. It's just my name, Lawrence Lindell. And yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. I'm always nervous about talking stuff because like I said, like true, true introverts, I'm like, Oh, they're gonna be like you're not talking enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah tara has to drag it out of me too last last podcast we had uh when we had a guest on uh she was like you're gonna have to do better <laughs> she's like you've been doing this for three years you're gonna have to do better and oh, yeah it okay. takes a lot to get me out of my shell too to be fair chris said I'm not as good at the interviewing. And I said we've been podcasting together for two and a half years you're pretty all right it's gonna be fun <laughs> So Lawrence, I think you're in pretty good, you're in pretty good yeah. company here. And honestly, like it was just so ex- like I was trying to not be a total dork about it, but I've been so excited <laughs> about your book and I've been so excited for this conversation. So thank you for letting me barf all my feelings about oh, it in your direction. <laughs> she says it's gonna be great because he's gonna be famous and we got him first. <laughs> so I thank think you. you should be famous. It's an important story. Yeah. And honestly. Anybody listening, if you didn't listen to me the first time around when I recommended the book and went ahead and pre-ordered it, 
Um, I'm not sure if this episode is going to be posted before or after the book is out on September 26th. But yeah, if you didn't listen to me, I'm serious. Go get it and go tell your libraries to get it because we need this book in local libraries so that it's accessible to as many people as possible. Yes. Yeah, that's great. I love libraries and librarians. (laughs) (laughs) They're the best. So everybody who's listening, if you've enjoyed the show and you haven't subscribed yet, please do um, so that you get notified when we release an episode on your podcast app. If you have a friend that you think would like to hear all about it and would like to hear about this episode, please tell them. And if you want to support us, we have links in our show notes to our coffee and our newsletter sign up. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, we have links in the show notes for that too. Or you can just search for Clearly Recommended on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. Twitter X. No. <laughs> or email us at podcast at com. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Yeah,